0: welcome to the strong savvy cyclist and triathlete podcast where we talk strength training science and all things performance for cyclists and triathletes helping you be a stronger more savvy athlete now and for many years to come here's your host menachem brody hey
1: everybody and welcome to episode 167 of the strong savvy cyclist and triathlete podcast This week, we sat down and hung out with Tony Jendalcourt. Actually, he and I have hung out quite a bit, and we just kept forgetting to hit record for the podcast. So this time, you remembered to hit record for the podcast, although we almost didn't. Uh, Tony was one of the first guests on this podcast back in March 2019 when we first started, where we talked about offsetting the risks as well as go the heck to sleep. Why recovery is easier than you think. Now in this podcast, Tony and I talk about training through mid-season niggles and soreness. And this is a really important episode. I'm putting this out before people need to hear it because I'm hoping to catch you early enough in your season here on Mother's Day 2023, that we can help you be able to, one, have an amazing Mother's Day, and two, be able to have a fantastic season up ahead and keep up your strength training. The emails have slowly trickled off, so I'm not seeing as many uh, direct messages on Instagram. Uh, The book sales have slowed down uh, a bit for North America and the UK, which usually tells me that most people now have strength training out of sight, out of mind. And this episode will hopefully keep you going strong through the season, and having your truly best season yet, from personal bests, how you feel, how you look, and how you're able to train to stay healthy and strong. Now, this particular episode is one that is really, really important. And in order to get the main points home, we kept it short. So it's only about a half hour that we actually hit record. uh, And we discussed like how deep do we want to go? And we both agreed, we just want to give you the bullet points. What are the actionable items? What are the things that you actually need to be able to get stronger, stay stronger throughout the season and to stay healthy? So we jumped kind of right into it. Um, I'm really excited to share this with you. I I think you guys will all um, greatly appreciate this. And uh, at the end, we talk a little bit about his and Dr. Lisa Lewis's new um, project, which is the Strong Body, Strong Mind app. So I strongly recommend that. Uh, Highlight the page. I'll put the link here in the show notes or the description so you can easily find it. Because if you want to head into the gym at the end of the summer and start using a barbell, I don't recommend doing it now. But if you would like to, the end of the summer, beginning of fall, uh, this is possibly one of the best programs out there. Because it gives you both the physical side of things, where you have true world-class coaching from Tony, and you also get true world-class psychological coaching from Lisa to help you rebuild your mind map and what it means to get into the gym and really achieve things with the barbell. So it really makes it much less intimidating from the physical and psychological level uh, and can really help you significantly. Now before we get into today's show, let's do a really quick, uh, actually super quick update for Sunday, May 14th of 2023. Well, it is Mother's Day, and uh, that is very exciting, I think, for all the moms out there and everybody that has a mom, which, as far as I know, is still everybody, although I'm sure some government somewhere has a test tube baby. Uh, I don't know if that's politically correct to say or not. I was kidding. So please don't. Yeah. you. Know, these days, you never know. <laughs> um As the last week has progressed, uh, we had our last session for the track team, and it was uh, sparsely attended because most of the riders had already sent themselves or been sent abroad to Europe uh, to race. And this is a really exciting time. A number of the riders have already seen uh, some really great results from their high-performance recovery training that we went over in that session Uh, on Thursday. uh, They're already saying that they understand the value of it. They felt better mentally, physically. Uh, And a number of the riders are already seeing some great accomplishments. So they're over in Czechia right now, Czechoslovakia, doing some racing uh, and some training. And we have a lot of great things going on. They have a training camp coming up in Brno. Um in the next couple of weeks, and uh, it's gonna be a very busy summer of racing and training for them. Uh, Along the summer side of things, we have a number of riders who are getting ready for some pretty epic gravel rides. And uh, A couple of the individuals that I've worked with in the past have actually uh, got back in touch with. They've reached out to message me. They read my book. They saw one of the Training Peaks articles that went up recently uh, and said, oh yeah, I remember that guy. I used to work with him. So really having some great conversations and hearing about the long-term benefits of the strength training programs uh, that I've done with other individuals. Uh, And that's really exciting, especially those who are coaches. Uh, in fact, one of the uh, Big Gear Blueprint longtime participants, um, she has one of her athletes is the first from Tenerife to uh, ride the uh, Vuelta Espana uh, for the FEMS, uh, which is really exciting and uh, has been having a, a really great time. So that, you know, uh, that's why I do this is just... Meeting someone, and I actually ran into somebody this morning from my CrossFit days. So she was actually uh, a competitor to the woman that I trained here, uh, who wound up finishing third in the nation uh, for CrossFit. And we had a great conversation. I mean, I haven't seen this woman in probably seven years, six years. Uh, And it's absolutely fantastic to see the long time effects of just one comment or one little bit of feedback uh, can have. Uh, on somebody during a competition. You know, you don't think about it. It's just something that you do, uh, and it can really help them and, and for a very long time. So um, for those coaches out there, the words that you say matter, your actions matter extremely, uh, and be kind to others. Um, and there's far more than just your roster of coaching clients and their accomplishments that matter. A um, little bit of a philosophical sign today. Now on the other side of things, um, this coming Sunday, May twenty-first at uh, noon Eastern Standard Time, I'll be doing a, a workshop on strength training mid-season. So very relative or relevant rather, excuse me, uh, for what we're talking about here, and relatively well time for those of you out there because I want you to understand what mid-season strength training should look like. So Tony and I talk about that a little bit today. If you'd like to learn uh, the ins and outs, it's going to be a ninety-minute. Uh, workshop. I'll put the link to sign up uh, with the PayPal link here in the show description. that is only going to be until the 21st of May. Uh, at 11:59, if you have not paid or signed up for it through the PayPal link, um, you will not be able to access it. So uh, it will be recorded for those who have paid for it and are uh, wanting to attend, but it will not be put out to the public after at least in any of the foreseeable future. So if you are looking to learn about how to do strength training midsummer to help you see great results, Uh, that is the workshop to take. Uh, It goes much deeper than the book or any of the blog posts that I've written to date. Uh, Last thing for this week's update, Um, I'm taking a little bit of a break. Uh, I've really uh, put my feet back up on the coffee table and on the sofa a little bit the last week after the riders left, so we had a really nice hike over the weekend, the family and I'm planning on taking this next week to uh, take that extra time and just focus on me. So instead of uh, filling that time with in-person sessions or, or web calls or whatever it may be, uh, I am just taking this week to kind of review. Uh, how did I do? How did the writers the do? What can I do better? And also to just take, you know, two hours out of my day twice a week, three days a week, and just relax uh, for the odd midday coffee. Maybe I'll nap. I don't know. I don't really like naps. Um, but uh, it'll be nice to kind of unwind and then I know after a week of that I'll just have the itch to go out and do stuff. Um, Speaking of doing stuff, if any of you are interested, I'm opening up four spots on my coaching roster for individual coaching or for the Big Gear Blueprint. Um, So those are the spots I have open for coaching. If any of you listening to this episode today say, hey, you know what? I really want to experience strength training through the season. I've strength trained through the winter and I want to see the results pay off on the bike. uh, Go ahead and email me, B as in boy, R-O-D as in dog, I-E at humanvortextraining.com. I'll probably post something about the Big year Blueprint uh, openings uh, here Tuesday or Wednesday this week, uh, give you listeners here a chance to uh, establish a spot uh, if it is the right fit, and then I'll open it up to the public. But uh, I'm not in a rush to fill them. It's more of uh, I have uh, the mental space uh, for quite a few more and the time for quite a few more. But um, I'm really liking where I'm at with the current roster of clients, and i uh, I think it's time to allow others to have that experience of a fantastic season. So if you're interested, uh, you can go ahead and email me. But uh, without much further ado, let's get into today's episode, number 167 with Tony Gentlecore about training throughout the season for peak performances through a little bit of soreness and niggles, because there's a lot more you can accomplish. Enjoy. Tony, welcome back, man.
0: Hello, it's been a while.
1: It has. Although we were just hanging out here for like the last 45 minutes. (laughs) I totally
0: forgot where we actually made this meeting to do a podcast, not just to catch up. So yeah, we've been talking for a half hour. Like, Hey, by the way, are we going to record? I'm like, Oh shit. (laughs)
1: That's right. Well, there's been a ton of stuff that's been going on the last couple of years. Uh, I I think a, a lot of it is we, we last recorded before the Corona the corona. Oh man! Um, and that was like episode nine or ten, I think. So we covered a whole bunch of stuff, but the last couple of months here on the podcast has really been focused in on on something I think is your specialty, and that is finding what someone can work on that day at that time and making sure that it's going to allow them to progress. Um, when you look at a client who comes in who is highly active, so like marathon runners, cyclists, triathletes, where they're out there like four, five, six, eight hours doing serious. Training. What are some of the things that you look for as far as being able to maintain their strength training year round and and up to and maybe even through their goal event?
0: So to me, it comes down to the trainable menu, which is a term that I certainly did not come up with. Uh, I heard it first from um, Chris Chase on Mike Robinson's podcast a number of years ago. Uh, I've popularized it in recent years. And the whole premise is whether I'm working with an athlete or just someone in the general population. It's like, hey, let's focus on what you can do rather than what you can't do. Um, you know, with the athletes, particularly the the, the population you're talking about—endurance athletes, cyclists, runners—they're always hurt <laughs> or they're always not feeling great. And I respect that. Like, certainly telling them, hey just stop training is not an answer. It's not something they want to hear and it's not something I would advocate. like I rarely ever feel like just rest is an option. Uh, I feel like we can always find ways to train around injury or through injury, so to speak. and, and certainly having a conversation uh, you know on pain and what that actually is it isn't it doesn't always mean damage. a lot of I I often liken it to like a smoke alarm. it's the body giving you a heads up like hey, something's off here. We don't like this. What are we, what are we doing? And that can just be a matter of in the weight room, at least what, what I have control over uh, is like talk is is coaching and queuing up a certain lift. So like if a, if a bench press hurts their shoulder or maybe a, a deadlift bothers their back or squatting bothers their knee rather than going through this 24 point assessment where they feel like they're under the underneath this microscope and they feel like a patient, I've stopped doing that. And I'm more like, okay, well, let's look at the actual lift. Let me watch you perform the bench press, the deadlift, the squat, whatever it may be. And let's see if I can chew you out of it being painful. Because I would say nine times out of 10, it's just it's just a technique flaw or a form issue. And I can just coach them out of it where it's like, okay, well, if I can, on a bench press, let's make sure your shoulder blades are together and down on, on handoff. Now your shoulder's a little bit more protected. It doesn't hurt anymore. Great. Problem solved. That was the issue. It wasn't like we have to do like this corrective exercise 10 week course, (laughs) like we can still train. So that would be number one. Number two would be looking at uh volume or intensity of exercise and auditing that as a coach. So if, if, if I have an athlete saying, Hey, my shoulder hurts, my knee hurts, my lower back hurts, my ankle hurts via training with me, then I'm like, okay. And it's, and it's been, and I'm not saying just once, like once I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sending off the alarms yet because it happens. But if it's been a a constant theme week in and week out, like, Hey, this isn't getting better. Then I have to be like, well, let me look at the program and let's look at your volume And let's audit that or or address that to some capacity. So maybe it's a matter of like, okay, well, we've been doing five sets of five on your trap bar deadlifts and and you notice your back doesn't feel great the following day. All right, well, let's maybe do two sets of five on one day and then do two sets of five three days down the road, same volume overall in the week, but we we give you some days to recover from that because, of course, they're going to be running and biking, et cetera. So let's see how they handle that. And if that solves the issue, great. It was just a matter of like cutting the volume in half per day and then, and then addressing it that way. That makes sense.
1: Yeah. And the first part you mentioned about the trainable menu, um, what you described at the end of a 10 week course of corrective exercise, that's what I'm seeing now the last two or three years since Corona is a lot of people like, I need corrective exercise. I don't need regular strength.
0: Yeah, no, no, I think, um, that that definitely is one component of the trainable menu i try to address as a strength coach and as a personal trainer it's like what what can i do to keep you training under under like what and 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 then we have to have a conversation on pain thresholds which you and i were kind of talking about before we got on this call where this is it, it's a subjective concept like everyone's pain threshold is a little bit different and it's it's going to be constant communication between coach and client 10 being absolute worst pain possible, like you're in agony. One being, eh, you know, I feel something, but it's not really a big deal. I really don't want my clients to get above a three or a four on that pain threshold during a session, immediately after a session, and maybe even more importantly, the day after a session. Like I'll do a text check-in, like, hey, how's your knee feel today? If it's above a three or a four, then I'm like, okay, well, we have to do something. We have to modify something. Uh, if they don't get above that, to me, they still get a green light because again, the trainable menu, the the idea here is not to avoid pain at all costs. Like there's going to be some discomfort. Like if you're somebody dealing with an injury, I think one of a big problem people have is they, they they incessantly and chronically underload themselves, where they go into corrective exercise purgatory and. They 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 don't develop any resiliency or adaptive resp- or, or adaptive changes to the body to or in order to get over that hump that pain threshold hump. So to me that is part of the trainable menu too. It's like okay we need to find exercises that feel safe and give you a training effect, but we're we're just underneath that pain threshold. We're not getting we're kind of hovering in that three area. We, we're getting a lot of volume in there, and then eventually we're going to get over that hump. So now. Now you're doing, now you're just going to creep up that, you know, now what used to be a three has to be a seven, you know, if that makes sense. And that's kind of the goal here is we want, we want that to happen. Um, And it's never linear. Like, it's like, you know, even if someone is healthy, progress in the gym is never linear. You're going to have good days and bad days of training where you feel lethargic, tired, weak, you know, nothing, you feel off and you're going to have great days where you feel like, okay, this is a PR day. And you're going to have good and bad weeks. <laughs> but as long as the trend is inching up over the course of a year, that's, that's really what we're after, or six months or whatever. Um, so when it comes to trainable menu, it's that. It's certainly taking into consideration injury history, current injury history, or current injury symptoms. And, okay, what can we do to train around this? Uh, we have to respect that. But also ability level too. Like I, I mean, it's certainly I'm, my my MO is not okay. We're gonna straight bar deadlift from the floor because you're a powerlifter. I mean, you're not, <laughs> and um, and that's a very intimidating lift for a lot of people and a very technical lift for a lot of people. So I find that trap bar deadlifts, kettlebell deadlifts, Romanian deadlifts are are have a easier is an easier access point to to that hinge pattern. Um, so at the end of the day, it's, it's really empowering people and giving them a, a a little bit more competency in their in their training, uh, it, you know, and it, it, it's and in, in, in finding that consistency with training. Because to me, that's that's going to be the 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 real where the real progress is made. Like I don't, I really don't care if you're hitting PRs every week because that that's not realistic. But what I do care about is that you're consistently training and that we're, we're monitoring how you feel on a day-to-day week-to-week basis. So then we can, we can temper our training that day. I mean, I've never written a perfect program. Like I'm, I mean, clients walk in all the time and Hey, my kid was up all night. I don't feel great today. And what was planned gets thrown out the window. And it's like, okay, here's what we're doing today. We're going to figure out what you can do. Cause obviously we're not going to work up to a heavy triple back squats. And then, cause there's, it's just gonna, it's going to kill them. Um, and I think it goes into this conversation you and I are always having about people feeling like it's not a a good workout if they're not leaving the a session feeling like they just had a, you know, got punched in the face 14 times and like they can't walk. Uh, to me, that's that's absurd and it's ludicrous. And I always tell my clients, like, if you leave a session feeling like you can do more, that is a good thing. This is not implying however that they haven't put any effort or there isn't any intent in their training and they haven't questioned their decision making because they are there are they are challenging workouts like they are straining it isn't like da di da we're doing squat like it isn't that like they are they're doing some work but at the end of the session like you know like, I, uh, I could do a little bit more good go home go rest go to sleep go eat and then to me if they leave a session feeling like they could do more It's probably a high likelihood that they're going to come back two days later when I see them again, or three days later when I see them again, or next week, whatever that may be, and they're going to get after it again. And that's where people make progress, is the workouts where you just show up, get the reps in, you do what's on the program, and you leave. I call them 80% workouts. So like 80% of your workouts, so it's just like humdrum, mundane, not sexy, you get your work in, you leave. You know, the other, the other 20% is divided in half where you have 10% of the time you feel like ass and you just like, gravity feels heavier that day. Warm up weight feels heavy. You know, you could be sick. You could have a poor night's sleep. You had a bad day at work. It's just not there. It happens. And then the other 10% of the time are the workouts where you feel great. You kind of push the limits. You maybe hit a PR, you push yourself. Those are, those are both, those, both of those scenarios are going to happen. But 80% of the time, you're just going to show up to the gym and get your work done and feel like, okay, that really what that was kind of a nothing burger of a workout. No, you got your reps in, you did your work, go home, move on with your life, turn the page, come back the next day or two days later, do it again. That's where you're going to make progress. I promise you.
1: And that we went deep in that actually, uh, an episode, it was all the way back in episode seven, dude. This is, uh, 2000, March 26th, 2019. It's almost oh four my God. years ago. Oh my God. Um, where it was uh part two, go the F to sleep. Why recovery is easier than you think. And we went deep on that one. We actually talked about the 80%. You, you gave a Oh, I did.
0: Oh man. It was, I sound oh, so yeah, repetitive. You, it's the same No, method. no,
1: but that's the thing, right? So I, I, I've been rereading uh, Dan John recently uh, per our conversation before we hit record. Right. So where, where is this going? Right. Uh, so I just finished uh never let go. And two things as you're talking came to mind. One is uh, you know, those niggles he talks about, uh, there are some workouts where you just feel that medicinal, uh, intervention is needed in the middle of the night, right? You go pop an Advil essentially, but on the other side of it is that he's talking about, you know, most of the time it's just, we're, we're grooving. The warm up is the workout where he's talking about doing uh, dowel or PVC pipe, high hand cleans, and then back squats and then overhead squats and the military presses, uh, and then a deadlift. Then you do three sets of eight where it's grooving the pattern. For most of the endurance athletes, like even just that is going to help them far more than where I was the first two or three years in my career, which was I was so stuck in the corrective exercise mind because I was coming from that physical therapy. Like they just finished physical therapy. Now they're going back to sport. That's where I started my actual individual training plans with people. And I was very, very stuck because I I specifically remember, I think it was Will it was one of the other trainers. I, I had this uh, woman, really kind, awesome human being, uh, Deb. So she came in, she had some stuff going on. Um, and over the first three months, we saw huge leaps forward. It was just corrective exercise. But uh, as you've described as perfect, it was corrective exercise purgatory because we didn't really progress for another three or four months. So one day, again, I think it was Will, either him or Nick was like, hey, Brody, how's Deb doing? I'm like, oh, she's good. They're like, you're doing the same exercises, variations of it, but doesn't seem like she's really seeing the changes she wants. She's talking about body composition changes. And it was a very gentle, like kind way of like, you know, the Will Smith slap upside Carlton's head, like, Hey dude. And it feels like, and, and what I've seen is that so many cyclists are stuck in exactly that because in our heads, it makes sense, right? It's, well, if I just do this corrective, then I'll make progress. But when are you actually lifting stuff? And that's the other part with uh, Dan is talking about like, what work have you done today? Mm -hmm. And what you're talking about with a lot of the time, the corrective being a cue or changing how you set up for the lift a little bit. That's where that magic between maybe a banded monster walk and a deadlift. So change it from a hex bar to dumbbells and you start off a little bit higher. You stop from the top, top down. How, how hard is it? to play in that pool. If you're self-coached, like, is there a a thought process you have as to how
0: I, I, I mean, I really try to, to me, this comes out. I'm talking from my standpoint, like with, with my clients, because I might work with my clients one or two days a week in person, but they are also training on their own one, two, three times a week, too, at, at a home gym and a commercial gym. So I, I have to really, I have to get in the habit of teaching them, how to load themselves, rather than telling them how to load themselves. And oh, and 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 in this realm, I I really I really lean into this idea of the RPE scale, reps and reserve scale, um, using those systems to say, okay, always saying like after a lift. So they say they're doing, you know, whatever lift. What think of a lift? And I'll ask them, okay, how many more? How many more reps could you have gotten in that load? Because if it's an RP, if I want an RP of eight, an RP of eight implies a rate of perceived effort. I say effort, not exertion. Rate of perceived effort. If an R, if I if I want an RP of eight on a given exercise, that means they, with good technique, they have about two reps left in the tank. Now, if I'm watching them do a lift, and to me, I'm like, okay, that looks pretty easy. And and I say, what was that? And they say, oh, that that was like that was a nine. I'm like, no, it wasn't. <laughs> like, Cause then they say, oh, I probably had like five more reps, not a nine. <laughs> um, and so to me that, that, that means they're underloading themselves. And, it, and it's just, it's, again, it's a little bit of subjectivity here. Like we, they have to learn what an RPA actually is. So I'm always think after each, each set, not, not after each set, but, but numerous times through a session after a set is done, I'm like, okay, how'd that feel for you? And if they say good da, 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 and I'm like am I in good looks great okay let's add ten pounds let's let's do the next set um we have they have to they have eventually they have to they have to learn and, and teach themselves how to load themselves appropriately and and why why I say this is like they have to also learn especially when they're training on their own like days that they can push themselves and days they stick to the script and days that they just kind of have to like get their reps in temper their load and just like like leave and move, move on to you know, next, ne- next session. Um, you know, I had a, uh, one of my clients come in yesterday and, you know, he's like, we were doing front squats. And he's like, yeah, last week, last week he did X amount of weight this week. He's like, yeah, my knee doesn't feel too good. And, you know, so we had a conversation where they, where he was on that pain threshold. And he was like, oh, I'm not, I'm, it's like a two. And to me, a two is like, okay, we can, we're fine. You know? And I was like, he's like, oh, I still kind of feel it. And so I was like, okay, well, let's, let's take some load off and let's just do a slower lowering or slower eccentric and just focus on that. And, and he was kind of put off by that. Cause he was he just saw that he was doing less weight compared to the week before. Whereas me, I was like, no, you, you are still training <laughs> and getting some reps in rather than just saying, Oh, I'm going to go home and not do anything. So to me that, that, that he's still getting a, a, a training session in and it's still getting a training effect. Um, and kind of, and, and, and not making his knee worse. And, um, and, and and it was a, a nice reminder to him, like, listen, that not every session has to be record-breaking. You're You're going to beat the weights you did the previous workout. Cause just, it just doesn't happen that way.
1: That's exactly where almost every endurance athlete is for every session they walk in. Like if I did 520 Watts last week for women, I have to do 521. Mm-hmm. And how, how do you approach tempering that mentality like is it a process with you do you kind of you know smack him in the teeth proverbially and say hey dude like if you want to see progress in your sport of cycling and get stronger like this is how you're going to get there and then you you get the buy-in for a certain amount of time like how do you you i mean
0: it's constant communication of course and from a strength standpoint i think you would agree with this strength is the one quality that sticks around the longest and I think people forget that they feel like, okay, you know, if they, like, if they say they do get hurt or their, or life gets in the way or I and mean, they just can't train as frequently as they want, they feel like they're just going to wither down to like what they were, you know, like when they first started lifting weights, it's like, actually no, like it's like 25 days plus or five days. So 30 days where you strength kind of sticks around, you know, the body just needs like subtle reminders to maintain strength. And I think with endurance athletes, that's an important reminder. It's like, you don't need to go balls to the wall every session with your strength training, because you really just kind of have to give it a subtle, like little elbow budge. Like, Hey, we're going to lift up a challenging weight of three on your trap bar deadlift this week. And then we're not going to do it again for three weeks because it it is going to stick around the strength, the strength component. Like now if we're talking endurance and power, that's a different story, but strength is the one quality out of, pretty much all of them that sticks around the longest. That's why it's nice. Like once somebody, somebody builds a nice base level of strength, it doesn't take much to maintain it. Right. So, so with endurance athletes, it's a, you, you constantly have to remind them of that. It's like, listen, you know, you're not going to like lose all your gains in two weeks because you didn't do, you, you, you haven't done your strength training. Like, you know, you, and even if that were the case, like, okay, well, you really just kind of have to work up to like one challenging set of three and then, you know, back off and get your reps in. Like, and that's more than enough, especially if you're in season. If yeah. someone's in season, then you're not, the goal isn't to get stronger anyway. It's just kind of like, like reduce, reduce the the drop-off <laughs> Yeah. Or, or to, yeah, go ahead.
1: I think that's one of the things that most cyclists and triathletes in specific runners, seem to be doing a better job now is they miss that. So the main focus that I have with the cyclist, a lot of it is um, thinking about the tissue um, laxicity that they're going to have, especially like posterior um, uh, disc, the ligaments on the uh, extension for extension for spinal extension, uh, what's being stretched and taken and, and kind of you know molded more to be flexi bendy where you know, to use Dean's <laughs> Dean's technical terms where it needs to be stiffer. So I, I love that the dosing of like once every two or three weeks for a heavy set, most cyclists and endurance athletes. And I think people as a whole don't look at like, Hey, if you do your dynamic warmup and you do two working sets, a warm up set of two different exercises and some type of, you know, filler or complementary exercise, that's a really good workout. And you can be in and out the door in 38 minutes, 30 minutes. Sure, sure. And you have now proliferated or perpetuated the results you're going to have. How do you, what strategy you have to help the listeners like wrap their head around that, like going once a week or once every 10 days and working up to that can have huge benefits for them versus every, cause I find with three weeks, like when they come into the gym, we've had those tissues stretched that the postures aren't really there. Cause let's be honest, most of them, most of us just aren't doing like thoracic extension. We're not doing the stuff we need to keep that balance, to be able to walk in and do like a hex bar deadlift or even like a a back squat.
0: Uh, So what's the question, like how we have a conversation with them to keep up with?
1: How do you, what's the journey to, to get them to buy into that?
0: Well, I'm in my eyes, I'm hoping that just over the course of weeks and months that they, they, they see that they're able to maintain their base strength levels, if not, maybe slightly improve them, even though they are, only training once a week or twice a week and they're in season, you know, and especially if an athlete is in season, like I tell him, like, listen, you are going to see a drop off in your strength numbers because you're in season. You know, my job with your in season training is to try to limit that as best we can. And that way, when we, when we revert back to off season training, you're not going to be like back to square one again. So you're going to kind of be at square four instead of square negative <laughs> 42. So um i just think honestly i think the it's just constant communication like you just kind of constant affirmation that hey you're here you're doing good things um you know and when it comes to like losing mobility extensibility etc you know throughout you know a week course of a week or maybe three weeks um you know some people i mean it comes down to accountability unfortunately like listen like you know, if, if they come in incessantly saying, Oh, my, my lower back's pretty stiff and this still hurts. And it's like, well, are you doing your stuff you're supposed to be doing on your own? Um, no. Okay. Well, how's that working? Like, how's this compute? You know, I, I, I mean, my wife, Lisa was kind of revert it back to them. Like, you know, you don't, you don't call them, "Oh, you idiot? Like, what are you doing? You don't, that's not, that's not the approach. It's like, she'll say, she'll say something to the effect of like, so what I hear you saying is your, your back still hurts. And I've given you some exercises to do at home and you haven't been doing them. And just give a pause. And it's like, it's kind of on them. Right. <laughs> like, I mean, so you, you can do it in a way where it's like, they kind of like, oh, yeah, you're right. Like, I am I think that that's the answer. Um, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's that's how I would approach it. So I think
1: in the strategic strength workshop that you and Luca did, I can't remember if it was you or Luca who said like, when you do an intervention, like it should work pretty much right away. It shouldn't be like a three week lead where you should. Yeah. I mean,
0: I want to, yeah, absolutely. Like I want them to see an improvement and there's gotta be an improvement right away, whether it's improvement in range of motion, reduction in their, their symptoms, if they're in pain, you know, there should be some form and if, Of improvement. And if you don't, then it's just the wrong intervention. I mean, I'm not a physical therapist, but you know, I I can look at movement and kind of intervene there. It's like, well, why don't we try this drill and see if we see, you know, you do the measurement, whether we're talking about, say we're talking about hamstring length. I do this all the time. People complain of quote unquote, tight hamstrings. And I'll look at their active straight leg raise. And more often than not, they pass it. And I say, you don't have tight hamstrings, but you have neural tightness because you're, you know, cause they already lengthened and let's, let's do this instead. But let's say there is a, you know, they don't pass the active straight leg screen and they have limited hip, hip, hip flexion. Um, it's not really hamstring length. We're looking at it's more, I look at more like active end range hip flexion. I think most people, and and, and if that's the case, I say, I do this little thing where it's like, okay, let's, let's, let's work on this. Let's, let's, let's do isometric holes in end range hip flexion where you're going to ramp up tension. You're going to try to crush a coat cam between your hip and your, and your, your thigh. You, they're in active end range hip flexion. And then more nine times out of 10, I'll do that intervention, reassess their active straight leg raise. And they, imp- they pass it with flying colors. I didn't stretch their hamstrings. Yeah. I, I just did an, a, an isometric active. End range hip flexion drill. So then their warm up is going to be more of that. Right. <laughs> and as an example, I mean, there's obviously a myriad of things we could discuss here. But um, but yes, you're right. I, I if, if if something is off from a range of motion standpoint, or you know something hurts, whether whether it be a shoulder, low back, hip, whatever, you know, I I'm not a physical therapist, but I can in, 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 in infer some intervention there from a movement standpoint, and that will hopefully either number one, improve range of motion, or two reduce their symptoms. And I think that's important. And that goes back to trainable menu. So I I can prove to them, like, listen, we don't have to take the day off. You know, we can, we can work around this.
1: I think that's a fantastic place to to wrap things up, because you just touched on one tight hamstrings that most cyclists complain about. And I've also found like, eight times out of 10. And those two, I already kind of knew like they had some actual issues there, either pelvic stability or postural yeah. stuff uh, where we'll do a breathing exercise. And it's not tight hamstrings. It's just, there's neural tension there for different reasons. But let's let's kind of wrap up with, um, what would you say are your, your top three tips, I guess, for the folks listening at home? We're getting into the season. This is going to post just around uh, Memorial Day. Um, what would you say are two or three foundational things they can do to help them have a stronger, healthier year with strength training through their peak season.
0: Recognize that if they're, if they're in season and peak, that even if they do one day a week of strength training, they're going to maintain the bulk of their gains that they did in the off season. So their emphasis should be on their season and staying healthy, of course, but I think they don't, I think they're doing themselves a disservice by, you know, getting after it and crushing it and like I have to hit PRs, I gotta beat my numbers. That's not that's not the point of in season strength training. You know, so I think even if it was one day a week, two probably being better um of strength training a week, that they're good they're they're gonna maintain a big a big component or portion of their work that they did in the offseason. Um understand too that they're not gonna feel great at some point. <laughs> It's just inevitable. And that don't, don't get discouraged. It's just part of the journey of being a high level recreational professional athlete and keep the idea of the trainable menu in your high, like in your head, like think of it, think of it as like making lemonade out of lemons, right? So think what can I do today? That's going to help me get better and have a, have a training session rather than harping on what you can't do. So you know, yeah, you know, like, you know, cyclists, chronic hamstring soreness, chronic lower back. Okay. Well you can go in and do back friendly exercises like pull throughs or hip thrusts and still, you know, doing, you know, all that and and be fine and still get a good training session in and move on with your life. I mean, I mean, I know it's not, it's not like profound stuff I'm saying, but it's just a nice, I, I find it's a nice reminder or that, concept of the trainable menu is a nice reminder. And I don't really have a third one. I and mean, you, you probably have a better third one than I do. I think, you know, in-season training should just be, the idea is like, just let's, let's just try to move, get into, get into positions and motions that we don't do with our sport. Um, more of that in, 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 in-season training, and then, you know, just try to maintain, or reduce the drop-off in strength as much as possible. There's going to be a drop-off and then, you know, once the season's over, then we can, then we can have a discussion on, okay, what do I need to improve? What do I need to work more on to reduce power output, et cetera?
1: Absolutely love it, man. And, um, there's so much more, I want to refer people back to episode seven and eight. I think it was that we had before and we'll, we'll have to figure out another time, maybe for like the mid end of season to do like, maybe we'll do like a full hour, uh and discuss a little bit more i'll come with more specific questions because you touched on so many different things that i think the listeners the light bulbs are just forget a light bulb they got like a floodlight now
0: (laughs) i hope so (laughs) geez
1: uh where can uh folks uh connect with you what's the uh best way and and how do they find you
0: um my website which is my name so tonygenicor.com so that's blog social media etc that that would be the easiest uh, entry point to to my my world. Awesome.
1: Oh, and uh, you and Lisa, uh, your wife, actually have a joint program, which for the Southern Hemisphere athletes, I think would be great. If you're a little intimidated and in getting into the gym, uh, I can't remember the name of the program off the top of my head. Um, yes.
0: So thank thank you for reminding me. This 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 speaks to how what a wonderful marketer I am. I never mentioned the stuff that I have out there. Uh, the Strong Body, Strong Mind app, uh, which is a beginner barbell-based strength training program. So it's three weeks. It's three days a week. I take you through the very basics and beginner components of a a strength training program. And then my wife, who is a sports psychologist, uh, doctor of psychology, is giving you tidbits on motivation, behavior change, uh, you know, what are some barriers when it comes to starting a new program? What are some barriers with strength training? You know, and just really helping people get through the the murkiness of what's going on in their headspace. Um, and uh, like we call them mindset minutes. Nothing, nothing crazy. So each workout that I write is complemented with a one a one to one and a half minute tidbit from Lisa talking about mindset and how to stay consistent, how to stay motivated, um, with your training. Awesome.
1: I I think for the Southern hemisphere folks now, that's an absolute perfect time. So if you're in Australia, South Africa, uh, New Zealand, uh, pick that up because it will really help give you a great track to get into for the barbell. Uh, Mm -hmm. Even though I know I said on the the podcast here, you don't need a, a barbell, but kettlebells and bands you have to have the right guide. So this is a great tool. I know Tony's a fantastic coach uh, and that mentality point uh, from Lisa, and you guys have heard from her here as well on the podcast uh, can really help you see an absolute stellar takeoff for your next year. Yeah, uh, Tony, thank you so much, man, for taking time out of your day here. Really appreciate it.
0: My pleasure, dude. We'll, we'll uh, catch or touch base soon.
1: That's it for this episode. Check out humanvortextraining.com
0: for more great content and to keep learning.